Hello, and welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, conversations about impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique self and business meet the world and contribute to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Christine Arilo. Christine is a transformational leadership advisor and three-time best-selling author, including her latest book, Overwhelmed and Over It. Christine is recognized worldwide for her work helping women to make shift happen in the lives they lead, the work they do, and the world they wish to create. Welcome to the podcast, Christine. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you, Ursula. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so excited for our conversation today. Great. Well, I I was so intrigued by um, many things in your book, but there's a statement near the beginning that kind of struck me. It was, uh, you you wrote, we women have become so resilient that we've become too tolerant. So isn't resilience a good thing? I mean, and what are we, what are we tolerating? Yeah, well, anything in its, in its, like, like, middle form is good so yes being resilient is good and god knows we all need to, we all need resiliency about now yeah, especially now yeah you know, even even stress it's interesting my my training is traditionally in traditional leadership and business and all of that but about 20 years ago i realized i only knew what i knew so i set me down studying yogic wisdom and feminine wisdom and earth wisdom and it's interesting because even in yogic science they talk about how stress is stress is a good thing um, it can be a good thing as part, mm-hmm. part of life. Same thing with resilience. But whenever you get over, like over resilient or over stress, over stress brings you into distress, where you're in levels of what they call toxic stress that actually you know, leads your body, your mind, and your emotions to disease. Resiliency is the same thing. You become the way that I see it in my research over the last, you know, ten years plus being an entrepreneur and a woman myself is like we become so strong. Like we should be able to handle anything. Like we can handle it. We can do it. We can take it on. No problem. Yeah. yeah. And that and that over strength, that over resiliency has caused us to really assimilate into systems of working and living and organizing our businesses and our organizations that literally are not sustainable unless you're truly Wonder Woman. And mm. we are not superheroes. We are not. We are not. But yeah, like we think about that, how we look to Wonder Woman. Like, oh, right. you know, like Wonder Woman. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Not really. We're mortal women, you all. And so right. Is, is anybody Wonder Woman? Other no, than Wonder Woman? Stop. Can you stop bullets with your wrists, Ursula? I mean, I've certainly tried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, since you talk about, you know, being self-sustainable, um, it's it's something that's, I think, quite challenging when you're in pursuit of work that matters and maintaining relationships and all the things that women do. Um, how do you become more self-sustainable? And, and by that, I'm we're not talking about self-sufficient so much, right? It's it's self-sustainable means maintaining a life force and energy that you can use to move forward with. 
Yeah, if you think about sustainability, we talk about it in terms of the planet, right? So we talk about what is, you know, clearly the way that we are living on this planet right now is not sustainable for all the things that we're seeing. So we're trying to live more sustainably, and our lives are are the same. And it goes back to that place of um, of tolerance where we really we really have, especially as women, we've just taken more and more on for decades. In my, in my research, when I was really researching about what are the root reasons underneath all this overwhelm and burnout and stress that, and honestly, if we're like real with ourselves, we've been talking about this for a long time, like decades, yeah. hundreds of years. Mm-hmm, but sure. really, it says women fully, if you look at it, into the workforce in the 1960s and 70s. So part of what I did is actually went back to speak with some of the women that were part of that, you know, part of that rising at that time, I was born in the 1970s, so I wasn't old enough to know what had actually happened. And in my conversations with them, including I got to talk with Gloria Steinem, uh, it was so evident, like when her and I had a conversation, she's like, well, Christine, basically what happened is, you know, we basically, you know, got certain rights and, and they said, okay, ladies, go ahead and, you know, you can make money and you can have jobs and you can, you know, go to college and not have to choose anymore. But in that not choosing, we just kept taking more on because yeah. the systems didn't change because there weren't enough women and or conscious male allies or even consciousness at the time to actually say, wait a second, if we change the dynamic of how we function, you know, it's like, so we just kept taking more and more on. And so our lives, and I'm curious how this shows up for you, Ursula. I know it shows up for me as, a, as an entrepreneur. I've come to many places. I left my corporate career in 2006 to, to do the leadership work I do now. But as an entrepreneur, I found myself in many times in what I either call a superwoman sob moment where the pressure was too much or a moment of like no more like, oh, my God, I created an unsustainable business model or way of living or way of working that no matter how much I work, how much I do, how much I give, there's never enough, never enough money or time or energy or for me. And I think that's where we're at right now as a culture. And I'm encouraging us to start having these conversations of like, what is actually not sustainable? But I've just been tolerating it, assimilating it, putting it on my shoulders, making do, sucking it up, pushing through, striving, grinding, hustling. Mm. Yeah. And, the, and those words are so pervasive in the culture too now. So, um yeah, I mean, you talk about entrepreneurs, and something that you mention in the book is that thirty entrepreneurs are thirty percent more likely to experience depression versus the general public, and that surprised me because I, it's been shown that so much of our well-being is related to a sense of controlling one's time or destiny, I guess. And entrepreneurs, I think that's one of the things that draw us to that world, that realm is to be able to do that. I do you have any thoughts on that? Why that's the case? Yeah, well I do. I you know I I, I my first 15 years were in the corporate structure and as, as challenging as it was and one of the reasons I, I left is because I didn't feel like I had the freedom for my own time and my own energy. It was very much that must be your butts in seats, you know, by 8 30, have right. to have the FaceTime. And I'm like, why does it matter if you can <laughs> see me and where I am as long as I get my work done? Right. And at the time, that that structure was not willing to really be any 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 different, and so I, I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna go you know, give this a go. And it was only within six months in as an entrepreneur that I found myself having my first superwoman sob, where I was working a consulting job and trying to grow my co- my coaching business at the same time. So I was working two jobs and 
I had all these dreams and all these spreadsheets because I am an MBA by training. So I had, <laughs> I had both, right? I had the spreadsheets and the, <laughs> and the, and the vision boards. And um, they're just, it was, the, it was almost like it was harder for me as an entrepreneur because I no longer had the staff. I no longer had access to financial resources. I didn't have the boundaries. I'm leaving the office now and I'm going home. So it was easier. And I was a person who always used her vacation time. I never understood. I mean, I understood what, what I my last job. It was like a, it was a badge of honor to like not use your vacation time. And people would bank their vacation time. And I used all mine. I actually bought more. I'm like, how much vacation time can I get? And how much can I buy? And when I knew I was short for that job, I remember I came back from a two-week vacation in Bali and I had taken another vacation a couple months before and I had told them I was going to do all this. But when the, you know, when I actually did it, kind of push came to shove, they didn't like it. And my boss had a, had a talking to me and she goes, you know what, Christine, I've never taken a two-week vacation. And I just looked at her. I was like, and I like, said, this is a good thing. Yeah. I was like, you know, you really should because it takes at least two weeks for your nervous system yeah. <laughs> to decompress, <laughs> right? And so think of it as an entrepreneur. So I've been an entrepreneur for what is that, 15 years or something. And mm. and I and I I tried to run the same model, right? I'm gonna work Monday through Friday and I'm gonna, you know, whatever, but that's not how it works as an entrepreneur. You have to actually learn how to create a structure and a rhythm that is is, is outside of that really manufactured seven yeah. days a week, five days a week weekend thing. Sure. But what happens is most of us, because we is especially when you start a company you know, you're responsible for everything. And so I really had to look at the imprints in me of like, gosh, I feel guilty. It's three o'clock. I should be working. It's, I, I have to work. It's Friday. I can't just not work. And so that's been part of my, part of my study and part of my, my own practice of like, how do I set a different rhythm that isn't like I have to still take my four weeks vacation or my two, which can happen. It's just not how I best structure my life and my rhythm and mm-hmm. getting really clear about how I work best. And when is the best times of intensity? When's, when do I really need to be in times of replenishment? And so I look at that by a year level, a month level, a week level and, and have a structure now that I didn't have before. And I also had to learn how to, um, to, to prioritize and say no and not try to get everything done at the same time and learn a different way of also not pushing and striving and grinding, which is, was very deeply imprinted in me and most mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. Well, I think there's this myth that um, you really need to uh, continually, continuously and intensely push everything all the time. And you, I mean, our, our self-worth is so tied up with being busy. I mean, how many times do you hear that? How are you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. So how do we get past that? How do we succeed without that push, push, push thing going on all the time? Well, that's a good question and has many layers. So let me, I'll take a, I'll take a, I'll, I'll open it up and then you see where you want to take us. So when I was, when I was um, 10 years ago, when I kind of got to this awareness of like, what is going on? Like, no matter how much we work and give and whatever, it's just never enough. And then I also really saw how the systems were really built and rigged for burnout, that we live in a, in a culture that's, you know, we have to grow more, be more. The whole thing is just really rigged to never, never, never rest. It's a cu- culture yeah. built to speed up. 
And so I was really interested in getting to the root of it. I didn't want to have, okay, here's more self-care strategies. Here's more stress management strategies. I mean, we've been doing that for 40, 50 years. And, and that's where I like, we've gotten to this place of treading water, right? So mm-hmm. we're treading water. We've been treading water. We've been assimilating, taking it on until something very distressful happens. So 2020 was like, we've been treading water and a tidal wave just came <laughs> and went yeah. whoosh, right? Um, and, and, and so this is a time where we, the first step in change is awareness. And in this case, it's self-awareness in systemic awareness, because you can't mm-hmm. change what you can't see. And right. so most of us are operating on what I call an imprint, unconscious imprints. It's different than beliefs because you hear a lot about they change your beliefs, change your beliefs, and you'll change your mindset and you'll, you know, make everything better. And well, yeah, if it was that freaking easy when we would be living in Shangri-La, right? Since <laughs> we all have manifested <laughs> the, the lives that we want, but yeah. they're really more like imprints. So if you, if in beliefs are part of it, they're more like internal programming that mm-hmm. we have that is mental, it's emotional. It's cellular. It's like in your the fascia of your tissues, and it's it's also energetic. And so we we have these unconscious imprints, some that are systemically placed there. Like right. it's better to give than receive, which is a, which is a, a equation that sets up us up for a lot of overwhelm. But also ones like you just mentioned, Ursula, that are deeply tied to our own sense of self worth, mm-hmm. our own sense of safety our own sense of um, what it means to be a good person. And especially for any of you out there like Ursula and I, who want to make a difference and have an impact in the world, we suffer from passion burnout sometimes more than we suffer from physical burnout because of the deep need that's out there in the world. And that, you know, just, it's, you're just never going to, so there's so many parts to that, but the first part is you have to get aware of what's going on systemically around you that you've bought into Right. As how this is what success looks like. And this is what you have to do to work hard and, you know, to win the game and all those things and get really clear. If that's the game you really want to play. And then two, you have to get go inside and really look at these imprints that are driving you to push and strive and grind and hustle or um, over give and over promise. There's 13 different ways we over and then you build your business on it. And as an entrepreneur, these mm-hmm. deeper wounds within you, people build their businesses around it. And they and, and they don't even know it. Um, and until you know it, you're like, oh, I just see how I totally set myself up mm-hmm. for all right. of this. But so that's it's a it's it's both. It's like this, it's it's really a wake up to seeing the awareness. And then there are real things we can do that actually can start to do things differently, but you can't change what you can't see first. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's so many good things in there. I'm just going to pick one and and dive into it a bit further. I think what you said about there's a systemic element to this, and that, of course, includes things like racism and sexism and those larger cultural things. And there's also the recurring reinforced messages that we all get. Um, And that's an important thing to acknowledge, because I think women can be really hard on themselves in terms of um, well, if I just do this thing, then I should be okay. And why am I, why is this not working for me? I'm not working hard enough. And, and it can get to be a bit of a self-defeating circle in and of itself. Yeah. And one of the, the original subtitle for the overwhelmed and over it book was, um, it's currently is embrace your power to stay centered and sustained in a chaotic world, which is, mm-hmm. is totally accurate. But the original one was, um, why overwhelmed and over it, why it's not your fault. 
and mm. how to find the power to change it, which then began actually is the introduction now. And yeah. it's one that I want to say to everybody out there that's listening right now, in whatever way you're feeling like you're not doing enough or making enough, or it hasn't worked, or you haven't been able to find work-life balance, which by the, by the way is bullshit. <laughs> so, you know, all of those things is, um, it really isn't your fault. It isn't your fault because we have been living and it depends on how long you go back. Some people say the beginning of the industrial revolution. So 300 plus years. Some people say it started back in Rome. Some people say it even right. went back farther of this culture that is what is really built on distorted power. And it's about accumulation, consumption, do more, grow faster. And, and then, mm. so the way that we've been raised, the way that we've been educated is, is, is either be this really strong, invincible, superwoman to suck it up and men too i mean like the book i wrote yeah. for women but it's different for men but the same thing like you just got to suck it up and you got to just do it and you got to provide so all this like strength and this like, a very distorted way and then there's also this piece of like you have to be selfless and you just have to care be the selfless caregiver and it's better to give than receive so if it's better to give than receive then you better be given even if you don't have the energy or time to do it and so that's created these deep internalizations within ourselves. Plus you add to that social media and image and all this other BS about what it looks like to be successful and what's actually achievable in this culture. And it isn't that there's not some outliers. I mean, there's, you know, Tiger Woods, you know, he achieved greatness, but he also had a lot of problems in his relationships, yeah. right? So, he, yeah, he, you know, he summited the career thing and he, you know, made financial success, but at a cost. And that's, you, you see that in a lot of CEOs um, and, you know, a lot of other things like we, we define success in our culture in really messed up ways. And so, you know, we we're, we're trying to like be successful in the way that the outside world says, even if it's out of alignment with what we really value. And then you add on that just the increased cost in living and paying for school and how housing has, you know, gone in the 1970s. Housing was not about buy a house and flip it. It was buy a house and live in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what right. you did. And maybe you bought up once. And so just kind of taking a step back and being like, wow, like how many times am I do I see ads to buy stuff? You know, it's like, that's so different than it was in, in the seventies. And, sure. and so I think we just, that's part of where I'm really, I, I think where we're at right now is like, we, why I said we have the power, we are in positions of influence and we can do things differently, but Ursula, not if you, not if me, not if I'm not listening are so exhausted or tired or running the old systems or, you know, just sacrificing ourselves or sucking it all up, we won't make it. We will get sick mentally, mm -hmm. emotionally, physically, or, you know, our relationship will fall apart. And that I think is what 2020 is the gift for all of us to say, what is actually not working? What's not sustainable? And right. you got to get real with yourself mm -hmm. and really look at it, not to blame yourself, but to say, wow, I had responsibility in that, but you did the best you could knowing what you knew at the time. And now right. it's time to do something different. And that's going to so, take some time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So in, in terms of, of doing something different, I, I, one of the areas that you've touched on and that, you, that you've talked about is around receiving support and sisterhood and having giving and receiving in harmony. And I think for a lot of women, and this is true for me too, very easy to give, but receiving is 
tougher, you know, you sort of throw up a barrier like, oh, no, no, it's fine. I'll be fine. Or I, I don't need that. Or even just not knowing what to do with it. So how do we get past that and, and really move into a more of a balance between giving and receiving? Because nobody can sustain giving all the time. No, although we try until something really bad happens. <laughs> yeah. right. We get really mad or the universe comes by with a two by four and knocks us out of our knocks us out of right. our life and off our right. center. Yeah. Um, so the old so one of the ways that I look at it is I identify the old imprint, the one that is not serving you, and then we have to install embrace a new imprint. So the releasing of the old way of doing things is it's better to give than receive. And if you think about that, we've all heard it. It's, you know, seven word platitude that's thrown around like it's not a big deal, but it is. It really is like this parasitic imprint in us. It's made it almost impossible for us to receive support. So like you're saying, or so someone gives you a comment, right? Or a compliment. You're like, ah, this old scarf. Like, ah, you know, we can't even receive that. And then you go go to like being on an airplane and then, you know, a man asking you, hey, would you like me to take down your bag? You're like, no, I got it. It's all good. You know? (laughs) And I've seen that so many times at my retreats where women show up and my partner, Noah, he's like, he's this beautiful, kind, but very strong, tall, six foot three, 250 pound man. And they show up and they have their bags and Noah will be like, can I take your bag? for you. No, I've got it. No, no, really. Can I take your bag for you? No, I've got it. And he always asks one more time. And half the women look at him and I can see their brains are like, like they're like, (laughs) they're like trying to figure out what's happening. And then they click and half say yes. No, it takes the bags and they go, I like literally you all watch them exhale. Yeah. And then they go off and have fun. The other half struggle along and like, I've literally watched them waddle with their bags to their rooms. (laughs) And it's a metaphor, right? It's a metaphor for this, this, this way that we've been trained. And so we want to shift the equation to it's better to give and receive, right? So change Mm. an to an and, which means, so if you put your hands out in front of you and on the left is your receiving hand Mm -hmm. and on your right is your giving hand. So I'm going to give this to you somatically so it gets into your body. Because what we want to do as beings, this is true for women and for men, is we want to stop being like banks that only give withdrawals. So just kind of take your right hand and just be like, give, 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 give. (laughs) But you're not receiving anything. And all of a sudden, like, what's going to happen? You're going to, you're going to go bankrupt emotionally, financially, spiritually. So Mm -hmm. you want to be able to give give and receive. So if you take that right, that left hand and say, okay, I'm going to give, I'm going to receive. So take it in like you're taking a deposit and then put that your hand on your heart. Hmm. You're going to receive. And then I want you to say the word retain. Okay. And then give. So let's try this. So left hand, retain, receive, mm-hmm. retain, and then right hand out, give. Okay. Receive, retain, give. And just try that for a second. Receive, yeah. retain. And how it feels really natural, right? Like to do this. Now yeah. try this. Okay, take your right hand. Okay, so go give, give it out, give it out, give it out. Now try to reach, then receive, try to receive with your left hand. So give, receive, give, receive. Like it doesn't, it's like, it feels jerky when you do that because, you know, from a straight up business perspective, it's a dumb way to run your business. Um, (laughs) And so it's the same with, um, it's the same with us. And we, what happens oftentimes is we overgive for so long that we go into debt. We go into life force debt. We go mm-hmm. into time debt. Mm. We go into financial debt. And that's all 
all of those things where I don't have enough time or I have, you know, I have too much debt and I don't have enough money or I'm just what do you exhausted. Mean by- you mean by life force debt just so people uh, know what you're talking so about life force is your energy it's mm-hmm. your chi it's your prana it is as real as your fingernails you just can't see it but you feel it when you don't have it mm. and it's where and so but most of us aren't taught about our life force unless you were born um to a Taoist family or china <laughs> studied chinese medicine or you studied um ayurvedic medicine they they've been taught life force is something the egyptians even talked about so it goes back you can mm-hmm. see glyphs of it in the temples from like 6,000 years ago. Hmm. So it's that, it's that energy. If we were, if we were, if we were a battery, a, a cell phone has a battery when it's, you know, charged up and then it like runs down to zero. So what we do a lot in our culture, we're trained to like give and give and give and give until our batteries go down to zero. So we, and then we, then we're like, oh crap, I'm sick or, oh my God, I'm burned out. And then right. we feed ourselves before we actually start to fill back up. Mm-hmm. So if you think of it like with your computer or a cell phone, if you if you crash to zero, not only does it always happen at the most inopportune times, right? <laughs> That's true, so true. And you also then now it takes longer to charge it all the way back up. Or if you take a if you have a gas tank in a car and like you wait to fill up till you're on zero, not only do you get stressed out because you could run out of gas, but now you just spend more money, more time to actually fill it up. We're the same way. So one of the shifts that how we get out of overwhelm and how we get out of burnout is you don't wait to get sick in order to refill. And I can't tell you the number of women who said to me, I wish I could just get sick so I could slow down. Yeah, I know. And it's it's terrible to hear, but it's it's so true for a lot of women. They we don't know how to how to do that, how to stop. Yeah, I felt, I'll be honest with you, I've felt that way before, right? And so that's a warning yeah. signal, you know. That is yeah. like warning. It's not like, oh, let me just take the weekend off and and then I'll just feel better. And then you plow back in. It's like something is out of whack. Yeah. And so those that overwhelm, that exhaustion, that superwoman sob. That that stress that never seems like you keep having that Groundhog's Day of the same thing happening. There's not enough people. There's not enough money. There, it, that's a sign to you that something is out of alignment. And so instead of pushing on or pushing through, you actually have to stop and pause and go deeper and say, okay, what's really happening? What's happening inside of me? That is, you know, and what's happening inside of the system? And this is, this is where I found why we as women, especially haven't gotten out of these cycles, Ursula and everyone is because we've been unwilling, frankly, you all to go and look in there. We don't want to look in there. We don't want to look inside of our hearts and our emotions. Like, uh, can I just go be successful? Can I just, you know, you know, stay busy and yeah, yeah, and keep going. And that's where I think part of the, the, you know, I, I, I call it pandemic in 2020. It's a great catalyst. And of course we don't want any of these bad things to happen to anybody, but let's be honest about how we grow as humans. And like, I think of my own life and how many, you know, the universe, specifically when I had my big wake up call at 30, which is when I, I really realized that I had been programmed for this very linear path of success to do, achieve, buy more, keep growing bigger, bigger. My catalyst came at the ending of my relationship and then on the way to my engagement party. And I wasn't the one doing the ending in the middle of me getting my MBA. Wow. And that wake up call, it it was hard. I mean, it, it like it was like getting hit by a Mack truck. That's what it mm-hmm. was like. It was it was full of distress. And that's mm-hmm. what we do as humans. Often we don't grow unless there's drama, distress, disease, or divorce. Like those right. are the things that make us grow. And I think that's the potential that we're at right now is like, let's not get to the place where that 
has to be so bad that we're like, I just can't do it anymore. Hmm. That's the invitation as we go into this year that I'm inviting everyone to be proactive about it and take a breath together (laughs) and, you know, take a step back and say, okay, if I look at how I design my work, what's not sustainable and what, and what's draining my life force and what is sustaining my life force and me. And then one of the, Oh, go ahead, Ursula. One of the things you said that was very striking was when when I set goals, I also name the support I need uh, to receive. And uh-huh. I thought that was so great because we're so into goal setting and, and here's all the things I got to do. And you already feel the tension and the, oh my gosh, how am I going to do all that of it? But at the same time as setting the goal, naming what do you need to help you, what kind of support in whatever form that is, whether it's resources or time or uh, or people to help you, uh, I found that such a practical, valuable thing to start yes. thinking about in that way. Yeah, it's, it's actually it's 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 essential to sustainable success, which is really what yeah. we're talking about here. Is like mm-hmm. how do we how do we go into the world and make the impact we desire? I'm all about making an impact. <laughs> I have a mission, and you know, and it, and also you know, receive and create the lifestyles that we want to have, and also stay sustained and healthy our, ourselves, and also have space to savor our lives. It really is sustainable success. And Ursula, what mm-hmm. you're pointing out to is when we're trained traditionally in the traditional goal setting models, it's all about like, what do I, even in vision boarding, right? It's like, it's like you want, if you go to that direction, it's like, what do I want to achieve? And then I just go, right. I drive to it. Mm-hmm. And that's like that, that, that's like living your life, like a speedboat race. Mm. I set my, de- I set my goal and I just go. And then, and it's interesting, the word goal, I don't use the word goal very often anymore because the word goal means to overcome an obstacle, Hmm. And I got enough obstacles. <laughs> like, I don't want right. to think about that, right? Of like, I'm going to climb the mountain. I'm going to, I'm going to run the marathon. And there's nothing wrong with that. But like living your life, like as a speedboat race or a mountain to climb or a marathon to run is exhausting. Cause what usually happens is you get to the goal. And how many times has this happened to you all where you get to the goal? Cause you're like amazing. And then you're like, okay, well, that was good. On to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Barely a pause and and we're off to the next thing. And yeah, so this absolutely. receiving support part number one. So when I vision, so I take the whole month of January to get clear in my intentions for mm. the coming year. So intent is a very different, a different, a different word, a different energy and our vocabulary really matters. So it's kind of like thinking about your business or your life or your organization about like a field that you grow, like like, like kind of like farmers, like this is, this is how I run my, my business of the way the natural, the teaching is this. If you align your life, your business, your organization with the way things naturally grow on the planet, you will be, just naturally become more in harmony. Mm-hmm. And, you'll, and so it's just like, but we've become so divorced as humans from the natural world because we yeah. think we can just conquer and just make it happen and just build it and then they will come and, and so one of the practices is, is to take all of January to get really clear on your intentions, not just in your career and your work, but also in your relationships and also in your physical foundation of health, wealth, and home. And also like what actually brings you joy. So you're just not a machine who's, you know, pushing forward. And then you, and then you do what I call path instead of plan. So instead of having a goal and driving like a speedboat, it's more like being a sailboat. 
mm-hmm. where you have like a, de- a final destination, but you know that you can't just sail straight on through. So you're like, okay, I'm going to go over here first and then right. I'm going to pause and I'm going to reflect and see where I've been. And then I'm going to carry on. And then you're in relationship to the wind and the water and you may take a different course. And so how that looks practically is one of my practices. I would say the top three practices that keeps me in sustainable success and out of making sabotaging choices that create overwhelm is taking power pauses throughout the year four times at the key, what I call the key turning points in the year when nature makes a shift. So Hmm. that's December solstice, March equinox, June solstice, and um, September equinox. So those are kind of like you think the four seasons, but people think, oh, well, I live in, I live in Phoenix. There's not four, there's four, these four turns happen no matter where you live. And if you pause at these times and stop, like in March, you'd be like, oh, okay, where, where, what's happened in the last three months since I set my intentions Mm -hmm. and what's really taking root or what's changed. And then you adjust and you say, okay, where do I want to focus just for the next three months to the middle of the year? And then because you break it down into smaller time parts. And so it what it does is it, A, it helps you deal with uncertainty. B, it helps you then also say, hmm, I really want to get this done in this, this, this quarter, but this is actually for next quarter. And then you would do what I call a reflow. You just move it. Oh, I'm going to repick that up in June. So it starts to create all this space for you because instead of trying to put 10 pounds of potatoes in a four pound bag, you you actually move things into their natural timing and their natural flow, which a lot of entrepreneurs and frankly, all of us have a hard time because we are impatient. We are card carrying right. members in the impatience club. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in, I think that's a great idea that first of all, taking time to set intentions for the year, because I think we have to sit down and in like half a day or two hours, come up with everything you're going to do this year. And I think that taking a longer period is such a valuable thing. And, and in, in setting um, in, or in setting those intentions or thinking about what is coming um, there's an important aspect of focusing on what matters. I mean, this, this podcast is about, impact. It's about meaningful work in the service of something you value. So staying focused on what matters and on what we can do becomes super important in that because otherwise you can get very easily thrown off track and then your impact's diminished. You just don't go where you want to go. So talk some about, about focusing on what matters and and if we're supposed to stay focused on what we can do, how do you know what's possible if you're only thinking about it in terms of, well, I know this is what I can do, but do we not need to kind of push that a little bit and, and um, you know, try some other things in order to really expand the view of what's possible? Mm-hmm. I know I asked you a lot there, but pick, yeah. pick, pick one of those. Okay. <laughs> Um, well, one of the reasons why I actually take the whole month of January to get really clear about where I want to focus, and then I do it again in June at the power pause. And in those two processes, the first step is to expand, to expand mm-hmm. beyond the mental mind of what the mental mind, because the mind can only create what it's seen before, or mm-hmm. it's seen other people do. And for all of us out here that are here to, you know, we want to create a different, we want to create something that's different. 
you need that space. And it's more than has to be more than an hour. Cause it's like, there right. you go, cause this is like your whole year. Right. So like, yeah. those are the key points to be like, okay, like what's possible in January. And then you do the same thing at the end, the middle of the year. Cause you need that, that time to expand. It's kind of like going on a trip and you got to take all of the stuff for any of you who are overpackers like me, you got to take it all out of the closet, put it down <laughs> and be like, wow, I really want to do all of that. And it's interesting because some people are so I'm curious how this is for you. Some people are like, for me, like I'm an overpacker. Like I want to take everything with me and then I have to kind of, I got to, I got to get it done. I got to focus it in. My partner, Noah, he's more of the minimal, minimalist. And actually a lot of the people that are, um, that work with me that are, help me that you know work with me they're often this way where they're they have <laughs> they're like I, I have a little backpack you know they're and so right. we have to help them expand because I'm like no like there's like this you could do and that you can do and, <laughs> and it's really important to know which place you fall at to understand how to best focus and stay focused on what matters so what Ursula do which way hmm. do you which way which spectrum do you tend to go towards well when it comes to packing definitely the minimalist approach I've traveled a lot and I've carried a lot of heavy bags so I'm trying to keep my baggage down to a minimum by bringing the bare essentials. And in your in your in your in your work life and your career and kind of making like your your dreams like which which play which place where you go try to do too much or try to try to like not you won't expand into the possibility. Definitely quite. try to do too much. Yeah. <laughs> so good, right? So it's, it's, oftentimes you can be different, right, in different parts of our lives. And so it's right. good just to know where you go, because going back to support, you want to put people in your life that are the opposite of you so that they can help pull you back and pull you in. So like in my marriage with Noah, and we're also in a business partnership together, I help him expand and he helps me make really good choices because <laughs> I'll try to do too much. Um, right. He's my first line, you know, I call him my counselor um, to help <laughs> me make really good decisions because left to my own devices, I'm like a cat who has 20 kittens, but only eight nipples. And they're like, oh, I got so much to do now. So I, I, I'm really this, why I developed a lot of these things is because I needed them too. So going to the focus on, so that's, that's just number one, to know where you are in that and to know that the beginning of the year and the middle of the year, like those are great times to really let yourself just look at all the possibility and expand and then bring it down into focus and focus your life force. focus your life force on what matters. You look at that as an acronym, focus your life force on what is flow. So this is how we work in the flow. We've heard that a lot, like work in the flow. And the equation for working in the flow, focusing your life force on what matters, is focused intention plus intuitive fluidity equals flow. Hmm. Which means you have to have intention, focused intention, because otherwise you're like a windsock with no pole or a sailboat who's sitting in the water being like, where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? <laughs> Where do you want to go? Right. And you're not going to go anywhere. And then you're just going to get blown around by the wind. Um, and so you need to have that focused intention to know like, okay, I'm committed to this. I'm committed to this. And I'm committed to this. The yogic science teaches the first step of success is commitment. Hmm. You can't be committed to everything. And part of that focused intention, and I'll just mention this, we can come back around to it if you want to, Ursula, in the, in the last section of the book, it's called Liberate Your Power. And the, the imprint in there that we're releasing is Take It All On. And the one that we're embracing is Stay Focused on Your Part. So in addition to kind of breaking it down, just like in our daily lives and in our yearly lives, where am I going to put my energy, my time, my resources? It's really important to understand what your part is in right. this world. And Ursula, you have a part, I have a part, each one of you has a part. 
it's, it's a little, it's, it's similar to purpose, but different because purpose can kind of short circuit people like, well, like, I don't know what my purpose is. I mean, some people's purpose, my, what I just did, a, I do a lot of work with women around their sacred work in their career. And I, her purpose, her sacred work in the world is to be a lot to it, to shine the light. Like that is literally her job. Like that mm-hmm. is her, that's her part. How she does it is up to her. So she works in, she works in career counseling. That's one way she does it. And, but it's like, but who's like your purpose is like, <laughs> it's like too much. So we'll come back around to that if we need to. But I think that's where we get, we can sense there's so much that needs doing that we're like, if we don't do it, what will happen? And it's a deeply subconscious thing. So there's like the bigger flow part. And then there's like the, okay, like what's to focus on this quarter. And then I think the other part of it, that intuitive fluidity part is about being able to feel and sense into what's for now, what's for later, to feel into what people call divine timing or the universe's timing, not just your timing, to really use your intuition, not just your intellect. And that's what helps you be open to spontaneity and to synchronicity and to really making wiser choices because it's not just coming from your mind. It's coming from your deeper heart knowing, your deeper instinctual knowing, and your deeper intuitive knowing. And then that helps us create the different realities because you can't remember create things that are new from your mind. The mind can come along and help figure it out, but the possibility is in these other places. Well, and it's so important to acknowledge that you have to have space for that to come in and to allow for intuition to move you in a new direction. And uh, I love that speedboat versus sailboat analogy because it it really expresses how it's not really a straight direct path with never any deviations. You need to be able to allow yourself to kind of wander off the what looks like the straight path so you can explore these opportunities and, and really move into them. Yeah, well, I think of it like pioneers, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the pioneers, there wasn't a path. And if anyone mm-hmm. is an entrepreneur, whether you're internal or externally, we're all pioneers. And like, you got to be like, you get to Denver, or you're like crossing the Great Plains and you're like, oh, I got this big wagon. I got all this stuff. How am I going to get over these mountains? <laughs> and you got to mm-hmm. release some stuff. And then you're going to go into these uncharted territories. And I think that isn't that why we become entrepreneurs? Isn't mm-hmm. that why we, we are people who want to make a social impact? So we got to get comfortable in the not knowing, but without structure, it's just the waters are way too choppy. So that's why you put these structures into place, these quarterly power pauses, these, you know, these different equations, and, and, it, and it helps create a structure that's structured enough that actually gives you freedom. Without structure, it's really hard to have freedom because there's just too much chaos and you're basically in survival mode. And, and that structure, along with the space, which is a very important word. I'm glad that you mentioned that, Ursula. That's really what we need at this time more than more than ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, Christine, my, uh, uh, I feel like I, we could talk for a long, long time, but I, I just want to bring out a really important aspect of all this, I think, and that is what does this, this mean for um, women as leaders? Because... Yeah. I think leadership is so needed. It's a role that women are more and more stepping into. There's more and more uh, societal space for that than there's been before. And how can we become the kind of leaders that can help us have the impact we want to have to do the meaningful work we want to do and help others do that too? Mm -hmm. 
Ursula, I'm so happy you asked. I'm, I'm so happy. I'm so happy you asked this question. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say one thing that I'm gonna share with you all. My one of my favorite superpowers. We all have, we do have superpowers. You, all, we may not be, we do not, cannot stop bullets with our our things. We should not be, you know, flying around <laughs> and lifting, you know, children out of midair. But we do have superpowers, and so I'll share with you one of my my favorites. But I just want to talk to speak to the leadership part. So I'm a one of one of my m- missions in the in the world is to redefine what leadership is because mm-hmm. in the common overculture that we live in a lot of times and I see this all the time when I speak with women they're like well I'm not really a leader because I don't have this title or I haven't made this much money or I don't have this whatever and I just like want I want to like erase that debunk it like pull it up yeah. into a million pieces because leadership is not about position it's not a job title. It's not something you attain. It's something you choose to do. Mm. It's a choice that you make. And it starts with, are you the leader of your own life? Mm-hmm. It starts with personal leadership, right? And this is about you knowing what's right for you, not just doing, not just following that doobie have it all path or whatever that prescribed path is, but like, are you, do you, are you making the choices that are in alignment for you, even if it means doing it differently? That's the personal leadership part. And also feeling like it, you, you, you're, you're, you're not in control of your life. You're a co-creator of your life mm-hmm. and that you have that internal empowerment. And then you can take it to your family. So any of you who are, who are mothers or parents, you're a matriarch of your family, there's like that is and it's one of my also deep, deep desires is to redefine mother motherhood and being a mother and being a parent. I think being a parent is one of the hardest jobs on the planet. Yeah, I am not a parent. So it's also interesting that yeah. I actually say that and I chose not to be very consciously, but that it it's a job. It's not like you go home, you just like it's and it's like this thing that we kind of got slotted in, you know, and it's not a slot in it's and so there's this part of like, you are the matriarch of your family. You have the potential that women have right now to change these imprints, to make a difference in the future generations is profound. But we've been so busy just trying to keep everything else going. It's like, how do we even do that, right? So it's like, there's that part of it. And then there's just like, what matters to you and what's your part to play as as a leader? So just an invitation to all of you to embrace leadership as a as, as, a, as a choice, not as something that someone else gives you or you attain out there. Mm-hmm. And as you start to do that, that activates your superpower of what I call harmonic defiance. It's actually not a word I made up. I found it in a book a couple of years ago. And I'm like, that is the word for everything I'm talking about. <laughs> and harmonic defiance is, um, I'll kind of, I'll, I'll just give a little paraphrase of it. It's choosing to defy the systems that are not working for you, whether they're the bigger systems or they're the smaller systems that that don't feel right, that aren't in alignment, not by raging, not by ranting, not by fighting, not by having to prove anything to anyone else, but by making choices in your own life, in your own family, in your own work environment that lead to harmony, mm-hmm. that create a harmonic reality for yourself and and for the whole. And that is something that as you start to embrace that, it's like small things. Like there's a story in Overwhelmed and Over about a mother whose daughter wanted to play lacrosse. And the weirdest thing here on this island I live, all the boys have to wear helmets when they play lacrosse. Right. But the girls don't. And any of you who know about lacrosse, 
there's a very hard ball, but if that ball hits you in the head, as Allie said to her daughter, it will be bad. And I don't care if you don't have to wear a helmet or none of the other girls do. You're my daughter. And if you want to play, you're going to wear a helmet. And so, right. you know, she, so she showed up the next week with a helmet and all of these mothers, you all came up to Allie and were like, Oh, I wish my my daughter would wear a helmet. Oh, I wish they'd make a rule. They just make a rule, then they'd have to wear it. And Allie looked at them and they're like, <laughs> "Aren't you the mother?" You yeah. know, and like looking and so, for outside validation or yeah, or something. and permission yeah. and permission. Right. Yeah, and yeah. and we do that in these very little ways. And when I said to Allie, I said, "Allie." That's leadership. That's like you just you just activated your harmonic defiance, and she just kind of cocked her head at me. She's like, "Never thought about it that way." I'm like, <laughs> "Right?" Because we only think about leadership in these big, grand things. But like in that moment, she she shifted the consciousness around her. She she did a lot of different things, and oftentimes it is those small moments that are never going to be on social media and are not going to get an accolade or an award that um that really are where the true leadership comes from yeah i love i love that and i love saying that leadership is really a choice that you make such an important thing to recognize well christine i always wrap up these interviews with uh three rapid round questions around impact are you are you game i'm ready i'm All excited right. so the first one is what's the biggest thing you've learned about having impact <sighs> Hmm. just like opens my heart. Um, mm -hmm. I think um, I always want to say two things, but if I have to pick one, um, goes back to receiving. I, um, every, it's just, is to really pause along the way and really receive the impact that you're making. Mm. I think, and I know for myself, um, one of the reasons I do the power pauses at, at the quarters, but especially at the end of the year is I make myself actually write down all the ways I've made a difference. Mm, and it's so easy to not see that. And every year, my biggest successes are like, I literally make myself look at the people as individuals, as groups, like I made a difference in their lives. And it's so easy just to go past that. And, and even a couple in December, I got a, a letter, handwritten letter sent to me by one of my podcast listeners from Australia and I was sitting down to tape my podcast and I opened this letter, Ursula, and it's it's like I'm looking at it right now. It has a little flower that she put in it mm -hmm. that's actually cut into the paper mm -hmm. and just like all this gratitude. And then she talked to me about her friend who listens to the podcast and told me all about how she changed her life. It's changed her life. And I just sat here and made myself read it. Yeah. And then I read it again. And now it's sitting on my 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 windowsill. So I keep seeing mm -hmm. it. And that is um I think because what it does for us is it, it it makes us get it's a big piece of getting out of overwhelm because we actually feel it in our bodies and we're like, oh yeah, and it's yeah. a it's a it's an important practice. Yep, absolutely. Well, the second rapid round question is: What's the one thing you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most? Stopping and pausing when. Um, I, um, when I feel that something was out of alignment and I had that superwoman sob or the overwhelm or whatever it is, 
I make myself really slow down and go into like a deeper look at what's 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 out of alignment, almost like being having a chiropractic adjustment. Mm-hmm. And I, I have what I call self honesty hearing with myself. I get really real with myself, and then I ask people around me that I trust, and then I make adjustments. And sometimes those adjustments have been really hard. And um, when I decided to write this book, I've written my fourth book. I've on the past, I have kind of worked full time, full out and tried to write a book at the same time. And my second book, I was overworked so much. I literally walked into a cabinet and split my head open. Mm-hmm. And oh, no. um, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to do that again. So oh, I no. made this promise not to overextend myself this time around. And it, 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 it helped me make some big decisions two years ago, but I had to pare down my staff. I had to decide not to grow certain things. And while I was watching all of my friends grow their businesses and grow their this and grow their that, I was getting smaller and leaner. But you know what? Because I did that two years ago when the pandemic hit, I was able to, to ride the wave. Yeah. I was able to stay sustained because I didn't have a lot of overhead. Right. And I actually still received the same amount of net income, but cut my net income by a lot. And that was, that was all led by my intuition and also a choice of sustainability to be like, okay, if I'm going to write this book, I need the space and I'm not right. just going to make, push myself to do more. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Divine timing. That's great. Well, the last uh, question in the rapid round is if you had to give one piece of advice to another entrepreneur who's saying, how can I have more impact? What would you say? Know what your part is and stay focused on it. Mm. And practice that as like, just like, and, and put, put a good counsel, I call a counsel of clarity around you, people who will tell you the truth, people who see things differently than you, people who do things differently than you, people who have superpowers that are different than you, surround yourself with that counsel of clarity. And as you make choices about where you're going to put your life force and your energy, check in with them and give yourself the space to slow down and feel into what to feel before you actually move into action. Hmm. So, so good. Well, Christine, thank you so much for being here today and for everything that you shared. I think there's some wonderful practical things in our conversation and certainly in the book around what uh, women can do to uh, bring ourselves more into a state where our life force is preserved while we're still having impact and uh, doing meaningful work in the world. And, uh, so I, I really appreciate everything that you said. So thank you for sharing all of that. Mm, thank you, Ursula, for, for welcoming me on. I, I love the word alchemy is one of my favorite words also. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. So I just the power for, of us of transforming things from a, from a denser vibration to a higher vibration. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we're, we're all doing. And I think part of our choices as entrepreneurs or however we're making an impact is to say, okay, yes, make an impact. And yes, I need to be sustained. And so we need to figure out new ways to do that. I think that's a radical yeah. act of harmonic defiance and part mm-hmm. of how we save this planet. And we, um, we create a world that can be sustainable for many generations to come. Yeah, yeah, so good. Well, um, if people want to get in touch with you, Christine, what's the best way for them to reach you? You can connect with me directly at my podcast, which is called Feminine Power Time. And you can get that on, on your podcast app. Or you can also come over to my website. In the probably the easiest website, it is my name, Christine Arilo, A-R-Y-L-O. But just go to overwhelmedandoverit.com. Easier to spell. <laughs> and then I'll take you to my website and I'll take you to the book page. 
great. And all of that will be in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for the work you're doing in the world, Christine. Mm, you too, Ursula. You do your part. I'll do mine. You all do your part. We stay focused. And as the Hopi elders said, this could be a good time. So gather yourselves. And like together, I feel like we really will walk through this. And um, it's going to be a, it's not a marathon. It's definitely an adventure. And we will come to the other side of this stronger um, together. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening. Join me for more episodes, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and help us spread the word, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. To discover more about your impact, schedule a business impact assessment, one-on-one with me, 60 minutes of focus on your and your company's impact and how you can increase it. Go to workalchemy.com BIA to schedule your business impact assessment. This podcast is produced on the traditional lands of the Cherokee, Tuscarora, Catawba, and Waccamaw Siouan people. 